0: podcast, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anger.fm to get started. All right, here we go. Episode number nine of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Rob Foster. And today I am joined with, with a very special guest, by, with a very special guest, <laughs> Sheva Gans. So, Sheva is an expressive arts therapist, a single parenting coach, and a mother of three. So, Sheva, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, today we're going to cover divorce, people coping through divorce.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to talk about kids in school and the stresses with distance learning and being at home, and just how moms can work on loving themselves and self care. Okay. You ready to dive in?
1: I'm ready. Yes. So
0: first, I want to get the audience connected with you. So you were married at a young age of 22. And from your site, I see 10 years, four moves, two countries, three kids. And then you found yourself in Florida, divorced, and confused. So take us.
1: It sounds exhausting just hearing it from
0: you. (laughs) Right. So take us through that point of feeling confused. And I believe you used the word baffled to where you are now and what you're doing now?
1: Oh, like sum up like the past 10 years of my life in one sentence? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the 10 hardest years of my life? Uh, okay, no problem. Um, I, I mean, I, I grew up a religious Orthodox, which had a very set, strong set of rules of how my life should be. And I followed those rules pretty, you know, I guess I bent the rules a little bit as I went along the way, but I, I did the path that I was supposed to do. And so when I found myself divorced three kids in Florida, which is not where I wanted to be, it required a whole life assessment of what now? What do I do now that the infrastructure that I've worked so hard for has fallen apart? Who am I outside of that infrastructure? You know, who am I? What's my identity as a mom without a family, without my, what I consider to be a family. And that just started a whole exploration of finding myself, finding what my needs are, finding what made me happy, finding out how to get through struggle, how to build up my resiliency, um, and how to find things in my life that I was passionate about, and how to love myself, for sure. That's definitely a, a strong one. And so I spent the last 10 years doing that, researching it, living it. That's my profession, working as a therapist. I went back to school, got my degree. I was very passionate about combining my experience my skill set, and my career into like one beautiful union. And nice. that's what I've been doing for the past few years.
0: Okay. All right. So let's let's go back to the moment where you started to take action. So your days, you're confused. Like what were those first steps to you finding yourself and your needs and your happiness?
1: So that's an interesting story. So I, <laughs> if I could pinpoint the moment where I took action, it was the night. The first time that my kids went to their dad. So I had my kids, you know, we had separated, the family fell apart, you know, all the trauma that went through a long, drawn out, painful divorce. And on then on the other side of that, my kids went to their dad for the first time. And at first I was so excited, you know, some mm-hmm. peace and quiet. <laughs> Finally get some some of my own time. And it was so sad. It was, it was such a hard moment for me. It was a moment I'll never forget of the actual, it just hit me of. I'm alone <laughs> now. What do I do? Like, mm-hmm. I know I want peace and quiet. I know that that part is good, but looking at the bigger picture of, I've been a mom a, on an on mom for the last mm-hmm. ten years. What is that? What do I, what does that look like now? And I'm all alone, and my kids aren't with me. And so that was a, for sure a defining moment. And when I just had this aha moment of, I I have two choices now. I can sit in this place of pain and, and I always say, like play my violin and how sad my life is. Yeah. Uh, or I can make some choices and craft a new life that works with my new reality. So I went on Meetup. Um, if there's Meetup, I mean, the world has changed nowadays, but it is such a great resource for people to find connection. You yes. know what Meetup is, yep. right? Yes. Okay. So for those who don't, because some people don't, and I'm surprised, but it's this online platform where people can create groups based off of hobbies that they like so that you can go and join and find like-minded people and do things that you like. And it's a great way to meet people and connect to people, taking away that stigma of being an outsider because yes. you're instantaneously part of the group. And I had this desire to dance and I went on meetup and I found a dance, a swing dance, uh, meet up right near me on Thursday nights, the night that my kids were away. And I went the next week and I was all in. It blew. I'm like, I am all in. What do you guys need? Do you need my firstborn? <laughs> do you need my kidney? Like, what do you need? Like, how do I, how do I devote myself to this group? And that experience, that putting myself um, outside of my comfort zone, learning a new skill, meeting new people creating this part of my life, this new identity that was new and exciting and had so, I mean, and dance for me was a whole healing process into itself because it's a microcosm, it's a metaphor for relationship and learning how I interact with another person, with a partner, I mean, I could talk for hours and hours about the metaphors of dance and relationship, but that process started for me in that experience of going out of my comfort zone and doing something different.
0: Nice, nice. And, and out of all of that, one thing that I help with the women in my gym, I help them with finding what that moment is that's gonna push them forward. So we do what was called a pain assessment. But then, whenever anyone com- comes to me, like I'm in a, I'm in a rut or I'm at, I hit a plateau. All right, well, how how are you feeling? Like taking a firm assessment of where you currently are, and then using that assessment to push you forward. So the the money sentence I got out of you were that you had two choices: you can sit in a place of pain, or you can take steps to move forward. And I think a lot of a lot of w- women, especially, struggle with that. And so did you find that that process was difficult for, for you or did you just put your head down and go?
1: It, no, to me, that was magic. That was, that is definitely my, my, um, my motivational force for, uh, that's been with me throughout. And that's, that's what I use in therapy. That's the, 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 the crux of the, my therapeutic approach is you always have a choice. And what therapy is, is helping people see the moments that they have choice we have a choice. In every given moment, we have an opportunity to step forward into growth. This is a quote, or step um, step back into, I don't even know what, what the quote is, but forward <laughs> into growth is what we want. So it doesn't yes. matter what the back is.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and drive me crazy. But that <laughs> moment, that choice is the key to happiness, that's the key to success. It's recognizing what's pain, what's frustration, what's anger, it's feeling like you're powerless, it's feeling like like you don't have a choice. And so often, especially in divorce situations and now in the world of corona, we feel powerless, we feel that we don't have a choice. And recognizing that we always have a choice, even if it's small and minute and it's barely perceptible, taking a step back and taking a breath and noticing there has to be a choice here of how I can react and how I can choose. And those moments is where the freedom comes and that's yes. where the empowerment comes. And that's yes. for sure where it started for me.
0: Yep, another thing I do with, with my clients is I have them post a proud moment of the day, every single day, because it's so easy to get sucked into what's going wrong, what's horrible, what's broken, you know, who I'm fighting with, like all, all of those things, it's very easy to let it consume us. But when you actually step back for a second and you watch the young the young boy or young girl hold the door for, for an, an elderly person, it's like, that's awesome. You know, and, and it's good to just step back for a second and realize that there's a whole lot of good that's going on out there. And I think as people, we're gonna move into a distress talk now. So like, I think as people are getting consumed with with life, what are some, some steps that, that you've seen in your experience to help People, especially women and busy moms, cope with just the stresses of everyday life?
1: So I wanna to get to that, but I wanna just go back to what you just said about that it's okay. easy to find the negative. Yep. It's actually more than that. It's not just easy. We are actually programmed to find the negative. It's called the negativity bias. Mm. And we are programmed cavemen from caveman times. Our brains are constantly scanning the environment to find the negative and to find the danger. It's a protective survival measure. Back in the olden times when we actually had real and present danger, like caveman days, we needed to be constantly scanning because our survival depended on it. If you picked up a flower and it smelled beautiful, you didn't have to remember that because it had no value in your survival. So Mm. the flower smells great, you chuck it and you move on and you're like tiger, (laughs) dinosaur,
0: (laughs) you know, cliff.
1: So we were constantly looking, we still do that even though our our lives are so different. And that's what this whole mindfulness Movement is about is retraining our brain. We need three for every one positive interaction. You no, know, like we have we counteract that with three to four negative. So that's what the ratio we're dealing with. So when we're like three to four negative interactions, you no, know, it's the opposite. For every one <laughs> negative, like that doesn't make sense. We need three to four positive, and. So that's what gratitude is about taking moments to find gratitude. I love that. Like what's the one thing you did per day, because you're starting to train your brain to override the negativity bias and to look for the positive. And that's how you get to be a more positive mindset, growth oriented person. When you retrain your brain to look for the success, the wins, the positive, the things that you're grateful for instead of like default mode of like, God, where's the next, you know, what's, what's the next danger? Why does this always happen to me? And that also, and we can talk about, that's why people feel like their lives. I'm sure you have people who come to you and say, this always happens to me. Yes. When somebody feels like they live in a pattern or live in a story, and yep. it's just repeating over and over again, yep. like I'm always the one that's dumped. I ne- yes. I never lose this weight. It's always the same. I'm trying so hard, and yep. I can't. This and so why does that feel that way? It's because of our ne- our negativity bias, where we're looking for these things because we know them. That's yep. what you you see, what you are aware of, and what you know you have experience with, and yep. that's why it feels like we live in these patterns and in these stories.
0: Yeah. All right. Before we get to uh, to the coping, I just want to share a quick story about my dad. I was actually just telling this to someone else the other day and he, he was just the King of plan B, plan C, plan D. So he was an engineer. And when I tell you, the man could fix anything. He was absolutely an amazing man. He, no matter what it is, he, he could do it, but he'd be out work, working on, on a car in his garage and you hear him out there, his music's playing. And then something goes wrong. He's like, "All right, Plan B, finds a di- different tool, different angle. Something goes up. Oh, plan C. You know, like he like he was never one to just complain that Plan A wasn't working. It was all right. Just next move, next move, next move. And when I when I take my my clients on hikes, I always say, you can't change the grade of the mountain, but you can make yourself stronger to climb it. And that's I believe goes hand in hand with that. It's like, just look for ways to get through it versus focusing on why is this happening?
1: Well, for sure. And something else that that helped me a lot was recognizing perspective and recognizing that my viewpoint, there's this kid's book, that, uh, For the Life of Me, I Cannot Find. I had it somewhere. It's an amazing <laughs> book and it's called Zoom, ironically enough. Yeah. And it, it's a really powerful book because it starts, you see a little image and it's like, A person on a beach towel and it looks like they're on the beach and then you turn the page and it zooms out and it's a magazine cover and on the magazine cover it's a person on a beach and then you zoom out and it's somebody holding a magazine and they're sitting on a beach and it just keeps zooming out zooming Mm -hmm. out zooming out until you see this big picture I don't even remember what the big picture is but we go through life all we see is that first picture of that person on a beach and we think that's what we're looking at and when we experience something that's hard or challenging We interpret it as as bad, but if we could look at the big picture and look at, you know, what the dots connect to, it's not necessarily bad. So learning to reinterpret challenge, not as bad, but par for the course life is a series of challenges. And when you have a, like, that's just life and who knows what this is going to lead to, then it changes your perspective on challenges. Like, how am I supposed to get through this rather than, oh my God, there's another side and who, who knows what's on the other side. Yep. Who knows what the bigger
0: picture. Perfect. Yep, perfect. So I think we, we kind of touched on coping a, a little bit there. But uh, just to go, go a l- little deeper into it, like how I deal with with loss is different than how someone else deals with loss and is different from someone else. So like, as I told you last night, I got a call from my mom that my, my cousin passed away of a heart attack at the age of 60. And I got the rest of the story today. She was living in New Jersey. Drove down to, I believe it was either Florida or Georgia, one one of the two, to see her son on his birthday and her grandkids and she got down there and, after a while, wasn't feeling well, went to the hospital and she had a heart attack and she passed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously it's absolutely awful, but she got to make that last connection before she passed. You know, like, and that's, that's the part of it that I hang on, like it's starting to get choked up. <laughs> but like, it's very easy to just look at, you know, the tragedy of it. But I'm looking at it as like, let's just say it happened beforehand, and they didn't get that last connection. Like she got to see her son, she got to see her grandkids, and then she was taken home. So what are some some examples of, of just coping through let's even say say divorce like for someone going through divorce because again working with mostly women like i've seen some blaze through it and i've seen it tear apart others so what are some some tips you have for coping with divorce
1: well number one accepting what is um where you are in life is where you are in life you know you can't go backwards and most often you don't want to go backwards and so wherever you are in your divorce if you wanted it if you didn't want it if if it's so tragic, if you were hurt. Um, that's just where you are. So step one is just accepting where you are, and this is the reality of your life. Step two is looking for those places of choice. So it's defining what your goals are. What do you want? So this is where you are. You know, you can't go back. It's not changing. Now what do you want? What does your future look like? Now, so turning this, and I work with this so much is what are the lessons you can learn from divorce? And there's so many opportunities. It's there's in, inherent tragedy in a divorce. It's a loss, but it is also so much potential for a new opportunity for creating something new that you want. So, defining those goals: what does your life look like in a year? What do you want it to look like in five years, ten years? And then, every choice you make, are those aligned with my goals? You know, is texting my ex or berating my ex or sitting up on like crying are those aligned with my goals, or are those taking me back into a non-existent reality? So I think those are two really powerful um, coping skills of how to get through the challenge of divorce.
0: Yeah, I always use the GPS theory. Like I tell people uh, like, yeah. like 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 mm-hmm. you you can't get to, to the destination without a starting point. Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to come to grips with their starting point. So I agree 100% with what all right, I am where I am. Like this is it. And you well, can't like, you can't go backwards
1: taking that metaphor even further it's you can't get to where you're going without a map and a destination if you know you want to get in a car and drive you can drive it will be you know there's there's value to that also but if you want to get somewhere specific you got to plug it into the gps it will give you the best route that's what goal planning is knowing where you want to go knowing what you want and sometimes it takes a little bit of time you know i'm not saying you should get divorced to know immediately what you want your future to look like and what you want but for the most part you want to be happy like that's And and so sitting in the place of the victimized mindset of why does this always happen to me? An anger, oh my God, like you gotta get lo- let go of anger. yeah Taking responsibility for your part, rarely, and I'm, and I'm putting aside like cases of extreme abuse. I'm talking about most relationships. Rarely is it entirely one person's fault. Yeah. so So you lose out by blaming your ex for everything because this is an opportunity for you to take stock of your part. And what you can, how you contributed to the breakdown, because now you can, now you can change things. Now you can readdress them and people who don't take the time to own their shit, then that those are the people that end up in the same relationships and the same patterns. And that's when it cycles back. And I think that the divorce rate is higher for second marriages because Mm. people think, Oh, freedom, divorce is the, you know, it's that like parachute button of escape, like they're done, <laughs> they're out of the disaster. And like they come, then then a new relationship, a new relationship comes along. They haven't done the work, they haven't been lonely. I'm a huge fan of being lonely for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they 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 think that the new partner is something completely different, and that's not true. It's just, it's a different costume. And the patterns are still the same and the reactions you're attracted to the same thing for a reason you didn't fix the old pattern. And then it's exactly the same dynamic in the new relationship. So if you are post divorce and middle of a divorce, I highly encourage people to take a breath, take a beat, spend some time getting to know yourself, what your needs are, what your wants are. why you were in the marriage that you were in why you were attracted to that partner what drew you to them initially and then where did it fall apart really just it's a time to get to know yourself really well so that you can make educated choices about what you want
0: yes and now I know everyone grieves and processes differently so I know that there's no right or wrong amount of time that people should be grieving but where is the line between grieving and self-pity
1: Where's the line, like time-wise, like a timeline for that?
0: I mean, just like, like, are are there maybe like a set of actions? I, I know I didn't prepare you for this one, but uh, just say like, all right, so someone's getting a divorce. Maybe they were blindsided. They're devastated, and let's say it's six months later now, and it's just the language is just negative. It's victimizing. Like, as someone trying to support that person, when's it time? To, all right, listen. It's time for you to pick up the pieces and move on. Cause like people don't want to be insensitive, but there is a point, like there are people that just need that. Like with my style of training, people know I'm I'm no nonsense. I'm like, if you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. <laughs> right? But but I know through extreme cases like 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 that, some people need to be spoon fed. So what do you think? So
1: it's time for you to pick up the pieces and move on day one. Okay. It just it looks different. It doesn't mean don't acknowledge your pain. And I think people think that that moving on means not acknowledging your pain. We should be acknowledging our feelings all the time. You know, this hurts. I'm feeling pained. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling angry. We need to acknowledge our feelings. I often tell people, clients that, Feelings are like little children. You know, when a child wants your attention, it's like mom, 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 mom. And if you don't pay attention, it doesn't stop. And then you're like, what? And like nothing. <laughs>
0: right? You've all been there.
1: Right? So that, that's what feelings are. It's like, hey, 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 pay attention. Pay attention to me. Pay attention. And we're constantly going like this to our feelings. I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm not... And it's still there. And it's like, it will keep coming up it will it will it will pull on your pants on your shirt to get attention until you pay attention to it and it just wants attention so that's part of the moving on process self pity is sitting in that place and like poor me i am and then making your identity about your grief and your pain and your anger that's different than the process of healing is acknowledging your feelings and then choosing actions aligned with what you want
0: Perfect. Perfect answer. Right, right, let's go to... All right, so you say you are an expressive arts therapist. Break that down for us.
1: Ah, girl, oh my gosh. So fun to talk about. Like that, like, with my... uh, but the reason I chose arts therapy, so expressive arts is just a combination of different modalities like music, art, dance, drama, writing, all of those things. And I was drawn to that, pun intended. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> my apologies, um, because I believe as for language, we have finite language and especially younger children. And, but even as we get older, we still have a limited amount of ability to express ourselves with language. We only have a certain amount of words, even if it's a lot of words. And a lot of the things that we're experiencing are subconscious are things we don't know how to put words to. And when we try and connect our subconscious feelings with words, we're trying to put it through the prefrontal cortex, which is our logical rational mind. And sometimes we're not able to. That's why sometimes people are like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know where I'm feeling it. I I, I know something feels off. I know I feel sad, but I don't know how to express it beyond that because it's not a logical expression. So when we use the arts, the arts tap into a creative process which bypasses that whole rational mind experience so we're not filtering out our emotions and I find that that creates a whole a deeper sense and a deeper deeper level of self-awareness and self-expression and the reason I chose expressive arts rather than art or music or drama is because I'm trying to relate to the person I'm working with so what's your language like I know for me my language was dance and movement that's for me, where I found my freedom, but yours might be very different. I know yours is working in the gym.
0: But your com-
1: <laughs> language is burpees. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> my language is competition, I love competition. <laughs>
1: right, oh, so dang. everybody has a different way of expressing themselves. So that's really kind of the uh, little bit behind expressive art therapy.
0: Okay, good stuff. All right, so now this next one is gonna tie into a lot of the stuff that we've already been been discussing. Is uh, the psychodynamic. So, we all know our bodies are run off of our subconscious mind. So, for the people that feel stuck in in life, you know, how can they use this to help unstick themselves and move forward?
1: So, these are the patterns that I was talking about before, and that's the the stories that we tell ourselves. This is where people should start paying attention to the stories you tell yourself. What are the beliefs you have about yourself? What are the beliefs you have about the world? We grow up, I often say, we come to the world with a blank book of rules. It's our rule book and it's blank. Mm -hmm. And then as we go through life, we start writing down the rules of the world. Oh, this is how the world treats me. Then I need to act this way. Oh, okay. So if I act this way, then the world will will react like that. So now, and then when we get to adulthood, we have our rule book for better or for worse. Yeah. And there it's a story. It's all a story because it's all based off of these small interactions that happened in our lives. So start to really, really look at the stories that you have about yourself, where your limiting beliefs are, what you think you can or cannot do, because those can usually be shattered very easily and what you believe about other people we a lot of us have trust trust stories of people are out to hurt me nobody loves me nobody wants me and then we make those stories true i say like we have we go through life with a bucket and and then we have a story in our head and we're constantly looking for evidence to back up our stories. And we feel we're like, oh, nobody loves me. You see, he dumped me. Oh, nobody loves me. She didn't answer my call. And then we like take our bucket and we just hold our bucket of evidence. You're like, do you see that my story is true? <laughs> Look yeah. at all this evidence I have, but we're looking for it. So we so it seems like it's so true, but, th- but th- he didn't call me back, right? But it's true. Like I'm not making this up, but we are paying attention to the things that reinforce our stories. So psychodynamic work is dismantling the stories that we have. And once you break down those stories, I mean, you can believe anything. Like we believe things, we, we have a choice. We have a choice to what we believe. And sometimes you can believe the craziest thing. Why didn't he call me back? I don't know, like an elephant came and carried him off. You know, you can make <laughs> up a story, but like it's just as much made up as as the story that you already are making up that makes you feel bad about yourself. So choose a story that makes you feel good about yourself.
0: Yes. Oh God, that is spot on. Like I had a really bad knee injury in 2009 and the, the, cert, well, the ER doctor, he just took one look at it and he's like, oh, you're never gonna run or jump again. And I was like, you know, my eyes filled. I had just started. I just made the transition from restaurant industry into fitness, and I was like, I was like, sorry. I said, but you don't effing know me like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was, I said, I'm coming back from this. I'm like, I need, I need my body. And not only did I come back, right? They said I was gonna have uh, 18 months of rehab, and I got out in four. And since then, I've done over 130. Races between obstacle and track track meets. I- actually, if you add in a track meets, it's probably clo- closer to 160. And I actually went back to because it happened dur- during a track meet. I've actually gone back to the event, the high jump, and I've been undefeated since 2016 in my age bracket. You know, so but but it's like along that journey, I met a man. I'm just in in what Walmart. I had my big brace on, and I met another man that had a brace on. He had the exact same injury and he can only bend his leg that far. Now, this was before I was even done with my I think I was maybe two or three weeks post surgery at this point. And he told me, Well, this is what this is what you have to look forward to, because this is all I can bend. And I said, I can already bend further than that. <laughs> so, because I, I took the steps necessary to get to where I wanted to be. I did not let that doctor prescribe my life.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, for sure and that's such a good example of the um, the mind body connect and yes. how we limit ourselves and our abilities based off what we believe about ourselves and about reality yep and there's more beyond that
0: yep and so here reality is starting tomorrow our kids are going back to school so so my my ex and i we decided to keep our kids home for, di- for distance learning, because it doesn't really affect my schedule. And I don't believe it affects hers either. But for the parents that are working from home, well, there's, there's a twofold question. Because you have parents that have to deal with distance learning and work, like going to work, and then parents that are dealing with distance learning that are also home working. So like, what, what kind of uh, tips, because you have three kids at home,
1: you no, work. my kids are actually in school. But oh, they're in school. Okay. They are in live school. Ah, okay. um, but we did spend quite a few months homeschool and they they will be, um, they travel, like they're traveling now. So once you travel, you can't go back to school for 14 days. So we will be doing a little bit of both. We will be doing okay. um, online school and, and real school. So okay. they are back in school for the most part though. But who knows, who knows how long it's going to last. I mean, there's schools all over closing down that have started live and yeah. it's kind of a wait and see game, but either in either scenario. So for those parents that do have children home and are doing online school, um, it's hard <laughs> and it's unprecedented. So first it's like taking a deep breath and like just acknowledging that it's hard yes. and that, you know, you're doing your best and that it's a learning curve for everybody. Nobody has a prescribed method of this is exactly what you should do. And this will lead to success. It's kind of like, well, maybe try this. And and step one is the often used metaphor. It's a little bit cliche now of the oxygen mask. You know, when you're on an airplane and they say in case of an emergency, you have to put your oxygen mask on first and then you can help your child. You cannot help your child if you are in a state of distress. So get yourself in check notice where your areas of extreme stress are. What are you doing for your own self-care? How are you dealing with your own stress? Because however you model, that's what your children are seeing. And so if you're in a high stress place, they're going to react to that. Either they are going to be super stressed also to mirror that, or they're going to swallow their stress and pretend like everything is fine so that they can balance it. Neither one is ideal. You want to acknowledge the stress and teach your children how to actually deal with it properly and one of those ways is taking care of yourself so there's so many ways you can google self-care It is all over the <laughs> internet right now but find those parts of your day, even five minutes, that can that help you feel rejuvenated or provide some release. I mean, I would say you would promote exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would also promote exercise. That's a great release of frustration, of energy, of getting, you know, everything going, your blood rushing, and it just feels good. And it's like, you're killing like seven birds with one stone <laughs> with yeah. exercise. Real. So, <laughs> um, and so I, I imagine anybody on this call is connected to exercise. So Make sure that you're getting exercise. If you know, if you can't do it daily, but as many times a week as you can, and even something, even if you weren't able to make a workout, go for a walk. Um, vitamin D is great to help us feel good. Being outside, being connected to nature, watching sunsets and sunrise has actually been proven to help us calm down because um, it's a guarantee. So, in a world of uncertainty, when you can watch and be a part of something that is totally you can count on it and stable, it helps us feel calm and, um, grounded. So any of those techniques to help you now moving to your kids, Um, setting up some type of structure for their day as much as possible is really helpful. And this is also dependent on what their kid's school looks like. Some schools are already have a set structure now, now that they've had some time to get their acts together. And some schools are more like get the work done and it doesn't really matter. So working within the framework of what your kid's schedule is, but creating some type of structure that lets them know how the day is set out, and but not being too rigid with it. So there's flexibility, but there's structure that creates a sense of safety. Um, finding a designated workspace as much as you can i know people's situations vary how much space people have yeah. but we work well when we know what we can anticipate so we sleep in a bed <laughs> we shower in the bathroom we 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 are we we have designated areas that help define what what's going to happen and so when you just like take a dining room table and you clear it or you shove everything on it, <laughs> your mind is not getting into a workspace, a work mode. It's not, that's why it's hard to focus. So if yeah, there yes. is a, if there's a place that you can designate as this is a workspace that will help you focus and help your child focus. And my third piece of advice with this is looking for the moments and the opportunities to give your child some type of autonomy. So help them learn how to be self-directed. You know, if you're working from home and your child is in school, it's, it's hard, it is hard to go back and forth. I did that for a few months to be, to be working, to be a mom, to be working, to be a mom. We used to be, we used to like go to the office, put that hat on and come home and then put that hat on. So yeah. these days it's all intertwined. It's a great opportunity to teach our children that they can help themselves in certain areas. Can they make themselves food? What can they do? Where are the areas that they can be helping themselves more and not so reliant on you? That actually makes them feel good about themselves. And that will in turn make them happier, less stress. So it cycles back, and it helps you have less to do. So looking for those moments where children can have more accountability.
0: Yep, and it makes the kids more responsible moving forward.
1: It does, yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So like my kids, my kids cook. They do all the chores, and and they're like, "Well, what do you do?" I'm like turning you into a mature, responsible adult. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> that, that's, that's he my-
1: says, sipping his beer from the couch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um to add to add on the last topic i tell i tell my clients own the morning right? you, own, you own the morning the rest of the day flows well if you're one that has three or four alarms set you're you're already setting yourself up up for failure like i tell my clients disable snooze the alarm goes off get your butt out of bed and get your day started like the more stuff especially those of you with little kids the more stuff you you can get done before the kids wake up, you're gonna be ahead of the curve. Like and with the distance learning, just knowing what the kids have to do ahead of time, and just like you said, you just plan for it. Like you, you can't change it. It's good. It's happening. <laughs> so as long as you get up, do all the major stuff that needs to be done before the sun even com- comes up, then you you're available if, if you're not working from home. But then you're available to be there if they need if they need assistance. Like. With my kids, when they have gym, gym class, I don't just send them outside. I go outside. We're doing jumping jacks. We're doing squats. They're doing shuttle runs. You know, we, we pick a dif- different sport and we do that sport. Like when they have their, their videos, they're all in, in different rooms. So, so they're not getting distracted. Like you said, having a dedicated workspace. And it's about just making it, just making it happen. You know, because like anybody can make, make excuses, but you have to make it happen.
1: So, if you, so I'm so on board with that and I think it's a little bit not fair of the two of us actually because we're morning people. Yeah. So like, <laughs> but, but the truth is, almost every highly successful person attributes part of their success to a good morning routine and I am all about morning time I mean that is where my magic happens. Yep. So I, I don't understand. So I'll be very honest that I don't completely understand people who are not morning people. I'm like, it's <laughs> the best part of the day. You know, yeah, I, I know. wake up and I'm crazy productive from the get-go, but not everybody's like that. Yeah. So a few things. One, the morning actually starts at night. If you start to look at your morning starts the night before, that's where your key to success is. Put, get your desk ready that put your gym clothes out the night before. If you already start to think this is what's gonna happen in the morning, you've already taken out half of the battle when you're in bed because you've started the process the night before. So it's to like shift your perspective of the morning starts in the PM, not in the AM, that will help people like that. with it. And my other thing is a lot of times the moments of stress in parenting comes when there's too many things happening at once. Like you're trying to make dinner for the kids and they want to do homework and, and so, addressing those issues of being more prepared it's like it just it's just a good secret to success of anticipating those moments of high stress and maybe getting up 20 minutes earlier and getting dinner ready in the morning so it's not a stress period or whatever it looks like of being more prepared so that you can be more present and not getting frustrated when they want your attention and you're like oh my god i'm making dinner i'm doing this i need to go get groceries so looking at your day and noticing those high stress points and saying, wh- what can I take out and what can I prepare for better? That will be really helpful. And I'm all about do it in the morning, but not everybody <laughs> else is, so.
0: Good point, good point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I just had the question and I lost it. Oh, so we're both human. Right. So I have, I have moments of high stress.
1: I really prefer not to, not to admit that publicly. So
0: <laughs> my bad, I just blew up your spot. Um, um, so the, like when I find, find myself needing a minute, I just tell the kids don't bother me for 10, ten minutes. I go in my room or, or I come in into the, this room it's my office room, put on my headphones. I just listen to a, like a motivational speech. So like when you're in that moment where your head's about to explode, like what's your go-to to to bring yourself back down to earth?
1: So I actually have this technique that I love and I, it's my human thermometer. And when I'm getting to those high stress moments where I'm trying to get things done and there's different needs are happening at the same time. Let's just call it that. Yeah. I use my thermometer for my kids. I'm like, this is where I'm at, right? So like, we don't want to get to here. Yes. <laughs> like no one <laughs> wants us to get here. Yes. This helps give them a visual cue. So it's not just, I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting annoyed, like, okay, I'm here. Okay, I'm here, okay, I'm here. What I do is I, if I get to here, I, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm giving myself a time out. And that models that it's okay, that you know you can take a break, you can take a step back, you can go and take a breath. So that's my self-care is I'll go to my room, I'll do, I mean, we didn't even touch on breathing and breath work, but there's a lot to talk about there. Um, I highly encourage any parent who's going to have kids at home for the next while to start getting better at breathing. (laughs) Um, We need more oxygen in our bodies. Most of us do shallow breathing. So we're only breathing from Mm. our chest. And that's affecting so many things. It's affecting our response time. It's affecting our our mood. It's affecting our energy. We're just not circulating enough energy. So start to breathe more. And especially in those moments when you're really frustrated, go to your room, be very clear you're not punishing anybody. You're not angry. Make it very clear that you need a minute. Take some deep breaths. And that's one of those choice A, choice B moments. Yes. Uh, Oh, you know what I do sometimes? This is a cool Mm -hmm. trick is I imagine, you know what, you know where we're on our best behavior is when other people are with us, right? Like you don't, you don't lose your mind when like you're, you're maybe when family's over, but like if somebody else was over, you're on your best behavior. So I imagine how would I act if somebody was here with me? So like that, that's a really good trick because first of all, it, it slows your mind down. So you start to think rationally, you're starting to be um, inquisitive and you're, are calming, you're, like, your amygdala is getting calm and your prefrontal cortex is getting activated. So it's actually a technique to get your brain thinking and to get your, your, your frustration to like settle down. And, it, and it's accurate. It's like, well, if I would act like that when somebody else is here, why can't I act like that right now? You know, you know that you can control yourself when somebody else is around, so why not now?
0: So true. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. true. All right, so for people watching, if you have any questions, I have the, the live down here on my phone, so I keep glancing down. If you guys have any questions, feel free to, to ask them in the chat and we'll we'll get to them. But- um,
1: You can contest whether I'm human, I'm willing to answer.
0: <laughs> Blew your spot right up. All right, so how can people get in touch with you?
1: Oh, I'm all over the place. Uh, they can find me on my website, which is ShevaGanz.com. S-H-E-V-A-G-A-N-Z.com. Do you find, do you find that you spell out your name a lot? Like F as in?
0: Sometimes, sometimes. Like I'll say Foster and people would think Forster.
1: Did you spell it like, out?
0: Yeah. So it was like, no, it's Rob Foster. F-O-S-T-E-R.
1: Oh, I think that it's such a curious study about the words people use when they, I always like G for gorilla, <laughs> like I, I always choose the same ones. And I wonder if there's some psychological testing behind the words that you choose when you spell out your name.
0: What anyway. about, what about numbers though? Let me sidetrack for a second. Cause like my daughter yesterday was saying, oh, someone called me like 17 times. And I found with females, the number 17 comes up a lot. That's really interesting. <laughs> it really does. It's like I told my husband 17 times to cut the lawn. Like like there has to be something with the number 17 because it comes up all the time. Thank you, Trisha. I appreciate it. Uh,
1: I don't know. But that's really interesting. I guess it's like we know 20 is pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, What God. can I get away with? I think 17 is a safe bet where it's like it sounds extreme, but it's not crazy. I think that's what it is okay but anyway they can find me on my website I'm um, <laughs> also on instagram sheva.gans and on instagram i have a whole ton of fun information um inspirational stuff videos i do a lot of parenting videos minute i call it minute to win it because i know parents are busy so it's one minute of your time to get an minute incredibly helpful like parenting tip yes yeah. who has time other than watching this, which obviously, yes. obviously you should. But um, now this took up their allotment of time for the week. So if you have one minute, you can get a valuable uh, piece of help.
0: What are, what are some, some topics that, that you have for parents?
1: On my th- Oh, so I mean, I talk a lot about divorce and single parenting. And then I talk a lot about just parenting in general. And especially with divorce, I do believe... Whether it was the best thing to ever happen to or the worst thing to ever happen. There's a certain level of repair that has to happen. Children experience distrust their foundation of safety and security is um, challenged and a lot of times kids bounce back we think that they bounce back they're just learning to cope and there, what happened wasn't really addressed properly. And I, I come from this with my own experience and, and having been through a divorce with three kids and not having done everything the way that I wish I would have done it. And now I look back and that's fuels my work of, I just want to give people this information of how to go back and repair those relationships because it's really important. And if you look statistically, children of divorce are more likely to get divorced themselves. And why is that? Why do we repeat those patterns? And it's because the repair work wasn't properly done. We didn't teach our kids the good lessons from divorce. And we can. So I give a lot of tips like that of how to connect, how to be a present parent, how to calm down, um, how to deal with stress, how to motivate your children. That's a big one. How to get them to do what you want.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: I'm still figuring it out.
0: (laughs) I mean, that that regard, I'm... I'm oh, okay, but I've I was always the the disciplinarian with the kids, so like I have that part that part on lock. It's just like it's like you know just spe- speaking from the the male perspective of being a single parent, like. You can just walk into my house and tell that there's no woman here. <laughs> you know,
1: Please, like, tell me more about that. What is that?
0: <laughs> because, like, there were just things that, and I can't speak for all men, but there were just things that I just don't care about. Like, I have curtains upstairs that that are just hanging over the rod, <laughs> like they're not like in the rod. <laughs> <laughs> don't you like, have daughters? Like
1: though you have daughters.
0: Yeah, well, Olivia, she was my woman of the house, but she, she's away at college now. So I mean, oh, I, I gotta say, all Ka-
1: gonna fall apart now. No,
0: I gotta say, Kaitlyn's doing a very good job stepping up. So right. she's 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 always she's the middle child. So she's always wanted, you know, to be the big sister. So I told her, child. oh, you are too. So I told her, I said now is your chance. <laughs> and like 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 you wanted this so time to step up, and she's doing a really good job. But so
1: you, yeah, you bring up a really good point about single parents of that we have to learn. Even if the, if your co-parent is in the picture, you still have to learn when you're on your own to, to, to be both roles at the same time because it's only you or only them. So how do you be a mom and a dad at the same time? You know, And that's, you have to learn how to do that and how to notice your weak points and then yeah. strengthen them.
0: Let, let, let me answer that. For me, I'm just a dad. I'm just being the best dad I can be for them. Like mm-hmm. my, my son, my son told me when he graduated high school, he was like, he says, you know, he gave, gave me a hug because like their their mom really wasn't in the picture, you know, f- since we got divorced in 2005. So he says to me, he gives me a hug. He's like, thank you for ne- never leaving me. He's like, you know, thank you for helping me become a man. Then he pulls, He goes, even though it would have been nice to get a hug when I hurt myself and not just being told to man up. <laughs> I up, I'm like listen like I am a man I am wired as a man <laughs> I, was
1: like, well, it's, I it's could just, spend I quite know. a little bit of time just that limiting belief but <laughs> no, no
0: no I mean like like I can you know I can show some empathy and stuff but it's like uh, but I'm, I'm just not wired for that and so I don't try to be something I'm not
1: I would argue but I don't think this is the place or the time okay
0: but I would
1: argue <laughs> that there is the a part of you that very much has that ability? Has, is very compassionate and very empathetic. That part of you was probably told as a child to man up. So you told that part of you just sit quietly. Oh, you just here. you
0: just went out doctor on me. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> we'll we'll discuss when I shut the live off.
1: <laughs> I'm just it's a theory. I'm just putting it out there.
0: It's <laughs> too funny. All right, anything else that uh, we that we need to know? before we sign off
1: i don't know i think we covered quite a bit
0: yeah we did yeah i
1: think everyone should be healed
0: (laughs) perfect (laughs) all right so go do that tuned in thank you much appreciated please uh share if you feel other people can benefit from it sheva thank you for joining me and giving me your time don't sign off yet all right so i'm gonna stop the live stream Thank you.